need the power. Well, we've been away for a, a week, and uh, we've had a, a glorious week traveling around the country. Um, I've never, I don't think I've ever enjoyed traveling on motorways so much as I have this week because of the colors. Just the, the beautiful, staggering autumn that we've had and we are having, and uh, just such a delight. Um, so here we are. It's good to be here again this morning, and uh, we're in John chapter 8, and as you will know by now that we're looking at various themes through the Gospel of John, and this morning it's the theme of freedom. What is freedom, and how can I be free? What is freedom, and how can I be free? Turn to the person next to you and ask them, do you know what freedom is? And uh, if you've answered that correctly, perhaps you'd like to come up here and preach. <laughs> um, we're going to read in, in John's Gospel, chapter 8, and uh, verse 31 to 47. John's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 31 to 47. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Famous verse, isn't it? Good verse. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? And Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. You will be free indeed. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you're trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. I speak what I've seen in the presence of the Father. So then you, you, you do what you have heard from your father. Well, our father is Abraham, they replied. Well, if you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you're trying to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. You're doing what your father Abraham does. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, that is God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? I'm telling you the truth. Why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. And this is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. It's a staggering portion. Actually, I'm going to go on and read the rest, because it gets more staggering. The Jews responded to him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and, and have a demon? I don't have a demon, Jesus answered. On the contrary, I honor my father and you dishonor me. 
I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and judges. Truly, I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And then the Jews said, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died? Who do you claim to be? If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My father, about whom you say he is our God, he is the one who glorifies me. You do not know him, but I know him. And if I was to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it, and he was glad. The Jews replied, you aren't 50 years old yet, and yet you've seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. That's a staggering portion of scripture, isn't it? And uh, I wonder if you would, could put yourself in the crowd, which part of the crowd you would be, saying, yes, we believe you, Jesus, or whether you're amongst those who are saying, oh, he's got a demon, why believe in him? Which part of the crowd would you be in? Would it really have been that easy to say, yeah, Jesus, I now recognize who you are. I believe in you. It's a challenging scripture, and it's powerful. It's explosive. It's emotional. And if we get it, it can be transformational. That's the nature of the gospel. It is transformational. And we need to hold on to that in the day and age in which we live, that this gospel that, we, that Jesus came and embodied this gospel that he proclaimed, this gospel that has been heard down through the years and has seen many, many people come to Christ, break free from Satan and sin and, and live in a new and powerful life, this gospel is still the same powerful gospel that it ever was. It can save, it can transform lives. I love stories of revival and I can think of many of them just standing here going through my head right now of when people encountered Jesus for the first time as God's spirit began to move and open their eyes and they began to see their need of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says, you shall know the son and the son shall make you free. We live in a day and age which, where people want to be free whatever that is. And there are two images of freedom that in the last 100 years that I, I think really stand out. And one of those is the emancipation of Europe from the evil tyranny of the Nazis at the end of the Second World War. And I don't know whether you've ever seen some of those films. I'm sure you have. That the jubilation that existed on the streets of Europe to know that suddenly this yoke of slavery was broken and people were free once again. I think also in my own lifetime of the, the fall of the Iron Curtain and the, the end of communism, I remember seeing those very images as they began to chip away at the Berlin Wall and suddenly the Berlin Wall was, was broken down and East and West Germany were reunited, families that had been divided for years and if they had attempted in any way to meet one another, they would have been killed on the spot. Suddenly they were re reunited in joy, the joy of, of seeing that wall come down. And so we could think of so many different aspects of freedom that uh, are demonstrated in the world in which we live, but we don't have time to do that. But this, this age in which we live, it's all about freedom, where groups and individuals want to throw off the, the ideas and shackles of others. More than ever, there is the desire to be free to be who I want to be, not what somebody else or what society expects me to be. 
And to do so means I must throw off every possible shackle so that I can be my best person. Have you ever heard that one? So that you can be your best person and I can be my best person, whatever that is meant to be. Freedom, we believe, is found through acknowledging and, and, and throwing off those things that hinder us and entering into a journey of, of self-discovery and personal fulfillment. In other words, the unfettered pursuit of the self. And you've only got to turn on the television. You've only got to read the newspapers. You've only got to look at the, the, all, all the uh, social media and so on. This, this unfettered pursuit of the self. And all because, of course, you're worth it. And anything, there's always a measure of truth. There is a sense in which we are all worth something because we were created by God and for God. But of course, when you say, because you're worth it, and it's a standalone thing, what does that mean? Because you're worth it. In 1992, American Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy wrote, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own ex concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Let me say that again. One's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Boy, would I love to break this down now into groups and have discussions on that. Because it's full of all sorts of holes, that is. It raises all sorts of questions. It becomes really another form of slavery as people become slaves to the, to the prevailing idea of whatever that means today. So your freedom is whatever you choose it to be within the life that you have, without any concept of relation to others or society at large. The problem is, in trying to discover what freedom is, that there are differing and conflicting ideas of freedom. So some people have an idea of freedom that conflicts with the, another person's idea of freedom. How are we then to, to live in a world with that kind of approach to life? But of course, when we think of what's going on here, there's something far deeper that is going on in this chapter than those questions that we have immediately looked at there and those statements. It digs deeper to a different kind of freedom. You see, Jesus was talking to those who were the followers of Abraham, who said that Abraham was their father. And in a measure, they had the truth, and they thought they got it, and they thought that they were free. They were religious people. They believed they had freedom, and Jesus says, you're not. Wow. That's kind of a bit of a shock, isn't it? Can you put yourself in their shoes and, and receive and hear and receive that truth? To believe that you have been doing the right thing, that you've been maintaining your religion, that somehow you have the, this relationship with the Father, and then to meet the very Son of God himself who says, you're not of your father, Abraham. You're not of, your, your father is not God either. Your father is the devil. I mean, Wow. Talk about some strong talk. So Jesus in this passage uh, says that we are all slaves, even the religious ones. More Jesus claims to be the only one with the authority to really bring freedom to us, claiming that without him we are slaves. 
there are all sorts of ideas about freedom. There are mistaken ideas about freedom. We think that we can have personal autonomy, auto and nomos, autonomy. Auto meaning the self, nomos meaning law, meaning self-law. Autonomy is self-law. Nobody else is going to rule my life. Nobody else is going to tell me what to do. I am going to do my own thing. I am going to be my own sovereign being. No one. Absolutely no one, individuals or society, is going to put any boundaries on my life. But the reality is that God didn't create us to be self-governing entities, to be masters of our own selves. He created us in his image for himself. And we either live under one sovereign or another. No human is an entirely free individual. We're either made to... We will either worship and serve God or we will worship and serve the devil. We might not name it as such, but they are the realities. There is no, there is no neutral ground which anybody can walk. You're either in one camp or in the other. In, the, in reality, there is no such thing then as absolute freedom. In some way, our, our will, our emotions, the temptations, the desires, the pressures of this world, the powers of darkness, they impede upon us. And the question is, who or what will be our master? Those, those listening to Jesus claim to be free because Abraham was their father. But Jesus says, whoever is, sins is a slave to sin. And then a few verses later, when they claim that God was their father, Jesus says that you're of your father, the devil. You see, Scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God is the only true sovereign being and, and we were created by God and for God. We either serve God or the devil. Scripture tells us that right back at the beginning, after God had created us in his image and for himself, the enemy came to, to, to Adam and Eve and tempted them with the idea of godness, which was really the idea of personal autonomy, absolute freedom. He came and he tempted them. Look, this is what you can have. And look, God is depriving you of something. So you're not truly free if you belong to God and worship God. There is more to, more to life than this. And they fell for it, didn't they? And so it says that since that day, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us in some way or other has come into bondage, bondage of the will, bondage to sin. All of us have entered into some kind of slavery, a slavery of the soul. Some would call it total depravity. That's probably not a good word in the day and age in which we live because when we think of depravity, we have the wrong idea. What it means is that it has warped our, our whole way of being, our desires, our attitudes, our actions, and, and our relationships. And it has created a domain that Paul calls the flesh, with a capital letter. There's either the domain of the spirit or the domain of the flesh. We're both controlled and desire to control. Something which manifests itself in a whole variety of ways, which... It would be good to go into, but we don't have the time to this morning. 
But sin messes with our personal lives. It messes with our relational lives. It messes with society. And sin results in guilt and bondage. I guess you're probably familiar with Romans chapter 7, which there's a lot of debate about whether he's a Christian there or whether he's not a Christian, or whether he's somewhere halfway between on that journey. I used to believe it was a Christian, but I actually believe it's a non-Christian he's referring to, where he says, the good that I would, I do not, and the bad that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And you read this depressing passage, and it can apply to us as Christians, when we don't understand what Jesus has done for us in the cross. And he says, and so he, he, talk, he speaks of this angst of his soul that somewhere where deep within him there is the desire to honor God. But there's something within him that controls him, which means that he can't do that. So the good that I would, I do not, and the bad I, I don't want to do, that I keep on doing. And then you get to the end of that passage. Chapter 7, he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? You see, it was a body of slavery, which was a body of death. It robbed him of life with God. It robbed him of true life in himself. It robbed him of true life with other people. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And what is his answer? Jesus. Jesus. The truth will set you free through knowing your predicament, through seeing the need of a saviour, through faith in him, not religion or works, etc. Two big grand words which we'll, we'll touch on in just thinking about this. Justification and regeneration. Yeah? Justification and regeneration. In Christ then, we are set free from wrath. We need to stop for a moment. Paul unpacks really what Jesus is talking about and develops the theology. When Jesus died on the cross, he came and he he lived a life that we should have lived. And he lived it out completely and fully in obedience to the Father. There was no sin in him at all. He was the perfect son of God. And then he took to himself our sins. He took to himself our brokenness. He went to the cross bearing our sin and our shame and bearing the judgment of a holy God upon it. We live in a generation that wants to get rid of an angry God or a wrathful God. But if we lose sight of the wrath of God, we end up with a slushy love. Let's be honest, God is holy, so much more holy than we can possibly imagine. The angels worship him, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come and evermore shall be. Absolute holiness. Jesus comes as absolute holiness. He lives here and he takes our sin. He bears the price of that sin on the cross and goes down into death. Death, he should not have died. The death of death in the death of Christ. He goes down into that death 
bearing our sins and, and, and shame, and he pays the price, and he rises again. And we've been singing about that this morning. Yeah. Because this is where liberation is. This is where freedom is discovered in the power of the cross. That Christ bore our wrath there. We are free from the wrath of God. It was an act of liberation whereby he came and he, 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 he paid the price for all our sins so that, that, as Paul says, there is now no condemnation. Turn to the person next to you and tell them there is now no condemnation. No condemnation. Your sin, my sin, was judged there. And then we think that not only is there wrath, but there's guilt. There's guilt as well. We are all guilty. But Christ has come and he has brought cleansing. Isn't that beautiful? You still carry a memory of your sins, but he has cleansed you from them. He has made you clean. In Christ, that guilt is removed. We are made clean. This is what we call justification. To be, to be made just as if we had never sinned. We know we have, but we've been brought in Christ to a place whereby we know we are not counted that way anymore. No wonderful. Just as if we had never sinned. We have been justified. And 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 love to go through that in, in Romans where Paul talks about how God justifies the ungodly through faith in Jesus. So often people think I've got to do a bit to get there. You know? You know, you know, I've got to do a bit of religion somehow. Got to do some good work somewhere. But all our righteousness is like filthy rags. Doesn't get us anywhere. We come as we are. Isn't that the wonder of it? The beauty of the gospel, we come as we are. Just as I, younger ones won't know this one, but the old ones will. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Justified. It justifies the ungodly. Wow, so wrath is removed. Guilt, the stain of guilt is removed. We are made clean and we are delivered from bondage to sin. He is the bondage breaker. You see, when you think of sin, we often think of our little sins, the lies, the stealing, the, the drugs, the pornography, and all sorts of things. We, we think of sins, but the Bible has a category called sin with a capital S. Jesus doesn't just deal with our sins. He deals with the thing sin itself which is endemic to the whole human race. All our sins have their root in sin. But in Christ, there is freedom. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. And he sets the prisoner free. That's what's called regeneration. Yeah, We hear a lot, a lot about regeneration projects today, don't we? You know, where, where they go into a certain area and it's all got run down and it's all miserable and there's graffiti everywhere and there's drug users and all sorts of things going on and all, all bad. And then it becomes up for regeneration. Well, that's like your life. It's like my life. 
Regeneration. God has taken on a regeneration project. And he sets us free from the power of sin in order that we might live a brand new life. And we're also set free from the law as a basis of life. This is, this is one that can, can dog us right up to the end days um, where people think, think somehow that we as Christians are still somehow living in law and living up to law and, and keeping our end up. You know, we've believed in God, now we've got to keep our end up. God keeps your end up. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has led me safe this far, and grace will lead me home. The law of the life of a Christian is not law, it's the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is? Are you convinced of that? Where the Spirit of the Lord is? There is liberty. Yeah, absolute freedom. But we're not just set free from sin and given new lives. We're, we're set free for a purpose, free to be our, our true selves, those who God has made us to be. We're not just sitting here now thinking, I'm forgiven, I'm clean, I've got a home in heaven when I die. You know, that's great, that's good. No, God has a purpose for our lives. He has freed us from bondage to sin and Satan to be who he has made us to be. We've been set free to love and to serve. And so in Christ, then, we, we have a new, the power of a new life. but we have an enemy that dogs our steps, doesn't he? That's why we have the scriptures, just to remind us of the truth. Because he sneaks up on us. He's kind of snarky, isn't he? You know, you, everything's going well, and then one day, boom, he catches you somewhere. And you find out your liberty is gone. The joy is gone. Let, let me say this, if you've lost your joy, you've probably lost your liberty. Are you a miserable Christian? Sorry, but it's in the book, you know. Are you a miserable Christian? Because if you are, you've probably lost sight of Jesus. If you are, you've probably lost sight of what he's done for us. If you are, you've probably lost sight of the liberty whereby he has made us free. Paul had to write to the church in Galatia and say, Guys, where's all your joy gone? You miserable lot. God didn't save you for this. He saved you for a new life. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Well, I need to stop. Let's stand, shall we? The gospel is good, isn't it? Yeah? The gospel's good. Because as we were hearing earlier, God is a good God. He is full of love and grace and tender mercy. Jesus came to break the shackles of sin and Satan in our lives. He came to embed a new principle of life into us. That is his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So we get to say, Abba, Father. Isn't that wonderful? Do you know him this morning? Do you know him? 
you don't know him, even in this moment, you can say, Lord Jesus, I don't get everything that's been going on here this morning, but I believe you. I confess I've sinned. I see I, I need to repent. I need to, to believe in you. Lord Jesus, just help me to do that right now. Maybe that you've lost sight of Jesus somewhere and you've become, the enemy's locked you back in a prison. See that he doesn't have any keys to do that. The door's open. You can walk out. Yeah? Maybe there's some here who just need to just realize that there's no lock on the door because the enemy can't do that. You're his. So walk out that door before you go out of this building. Walk out that door into the freedom, the joy. Father God, this is so good. So, so good. Lord, you're an amazing God who has loved us more than we could imagine. And you will go on doing so. Praise you that the blood of Jesus Christ covers all our sin. and Praise you that through him we have been delivered from wrath. We've been made clean. The chains have been broken. We've been set free. You've given us your Holy Spirit to live a new life to the glory and praise of your name. In Jesus' name.